ministers, VIP guests, sponsors, business leaders, and guests. As president of Fremantle Chamber of Commerce, it gives me great pleasure to welcome you here today to this venue at South Fremantle Football Club, and also to this venue, which is a joint venture between Benny's Bar and Cafe and South Fremantle Football Club. I welcome in particular our keynote speaker today, the Honourable Rita Safiotti, MLA, Minister for Transport, Planning and Ports, and also an avid supporter of South Fremantle Football Club and Fremantle Dockers. Thank you for your willingness to attend today to this important conversation around Fremantle's future, Fremantle's connections, planning and infrastructure. As a minister, you hold the keys uh, to much of Fremantle's future across your portfolios. Uh, your willingness to engage with the Fremantle Chamber, our region and its business um, community and its leaders um, is very much appreciated. I'd also like to make a point or, or observation that over the years gone by, we have heard stories and um, a promises of investment pipelines from private sector in particular, which we have recently um, seen come to fruition. However, it is very pleasing to see significant interest also from a state government in projects coming forward. And also what's very pleasing to see is the collaboration between state government and federal government in funding those projects. So thank you very much for that. And we look forward to um, future with more of these kind of projects. I would like to start today by acknowledging the traditional owners of the land on which we gather, the Wajuk people, and pay my respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Together, we wish to acknowledge and respect their continuing culture and the contribution they make to the life of this city, this region, and this football club. I also acknowledge our esteemed guests here tonight, today, sorry, it's been a long day. The Honorable Simone McGurk, MLA Minister for Child Protection, Women's Interest, Prevention of Family and Domestic Violence, and Community Services and Local Member for Fremantle. Mr. Josh Wilson, uh, Federal Member for Fremantle. Deputy Mayor of Fremantle, Andrew Sullivan, and Fremantle City Councillors, Jenny Archibald, um, Hannah Fitzharding, Sue Groom, Erin Lang, Frank Mofflin, Rachel Pemberton, and Maria Vucic. City of Fremantle's acting CEO, Glenn Dougal, my fellow Fremantle Chamber Board members, Franco Andriani, Lee Bartlett, Natasha Atkinson, who I think is unwell, so she's not here today, uh, Pete Adams, and Mark Greco. Fremantle Chamber CEO, um, Denisha Quinlan, Fremantle Port CEO, Michael Parker, and our host today, South Fremantle Football Club CEO, Cameron Britt, and President Peter Christie. I also welcome representatives of Fremantle Chamber Corporate Partners here today, Fremantle Ports, Hisperia, Department of Transport, Echo Yachts, Little Creatures, Melville Toyota, and Notre Dame University. Most importantly, we welcome each and one of you of our distinguished guests. The fabric of what makes Fremantle life and a business a successful one for the future and business in Fremantle. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Denisha Quinlan. I'm the CEO here at the Fremantle Chamber of Commerce. I'd like to welcome you all, in particular our distinguished guests, chamber members and community leaders. It is my job this morning to welcome and introduce the Honourable Rita Safiotti, MLA, Minister for Transport, Planning and Ports. As Ivan mentioned, Minister Safiotti holds the ministerial keys to many and much of Fremantle's future. 
A member of State Parliament since 2008 for the electorate of West Swan, the Minister has also a long-standing connection for Fremantle, particularly as Yvonne mentioned through her membership of South Fremantle Football Club and the Dockers, which I hear well and truly predate her Parliament days. Since the 2017 Labor election, Minister Safiotti has held positions of Minister for Transport and Planning with Ports added recently to her portfolio. With a Bachelor of Business from Curtin University and a long history with the Department of Finance, then Treasury, the link between integrated transport and planning economic outcomes is really part of the Minister's DNA. Her passion is to see the state of Western Australia thrive through planning reform and first-class transport network. Since I joined the Chamber in early 2019, our Chamber Board and committees have had numerous conversations on how we support our incredibly diverse range of businesses and ensure that Fremantle can build on its historic and traditional economic roots around shipping, merchant and trading. Almost all of these conversations come back to connections. Connecting our harbours from Rouse Head down to the Australian Marine Complex and further afield. Connecting our historic, social, residential and economic heartland down the Southern Corridor, somehow back into Fremantle. Connecting our historic heart to the beat of a sustainable, populated and modern urban centre of commercial and residential activity. And connecting consistent foot traffic through our streets and into our retail and tourism businesses. Since 1873, the Chamber has represented, as I mentioned, the most incredible diversity of businesses, business leaders and industry sectors. So even working on some of these connections we know is the key to our future. How do we connect the dots between the diversity of our businesses? And that is both one of the Chamber's core strengths, but also one of our greatest challenges. Over the next 12 months, our Development and Infrastructure Committee, our Maritime and Engineering Committee, our Tourism Committee, our Small Business and Retail Committee are setting priorities to advocate for a number of these important areas of connection. And most importantly, to continue to raise the conversation around how we maintain connection to our brand as a port city if our inner harbour is no longer the entry point for container trade. So to share with us her views on this very important conversation, I welcome Minister Safiotti up to the stage. Following Ms. Minister Safiotti's address, we will adjourn slightly to the uh, couches. Well, I might actually sit there prior to that. And we'll have a, a brief Q&A and then we'll um, open up to the floor prior to dessert being served. So Minister, over to you. Thank you very much. And um, can I start off by acknowledging the traditional owners on the land on which we meet today, the Wajuk people of the Noongar Nation and acknowledge their elders, past, present and emerging. Can I thank Denisha for that lovely introduction? Can I particularly acknowledge my parliamentary colleagues, Simone McGurk, member for Fremantle, and also Josh Wilson, the federal member for Fremantle, and also acknowledge all the other dignitaries that were noted earlier today. Um, it is lovely to be here at South Fremantle Oval, at Fremantle Oval. Now, many of you know I have been a long-term supporter of the club. I grew up as a South Fremantle supporter. And um, when my sister got a licence, and we lived in the in Rollystone, so she's six years older, so when she got a licence and got her little Mitsubishi Colt, we would head down the hill to Fremantle every second week, of course, to watch the Mighty Bulldogs play. Every other week we went to the away games, so I have a good knowledge of all the football grounds. 
but loved coming down to Fremantle. Of course now, um, with three kids and also my other duties, um, it's harder to, to get down here, but I was fortunate to be here last year to see the Bulldogs win the grand final, and it was a very, very memorable and delightful experience after witnessing um, some bad days in the past. So I want to acknowledge everyone here from the South Fremantle Football Club. And again, my connection to Fremantle, my, I'm the daughter of Italian migrants. So my mother and father arrived here in Fremantle, 1952, my father, and in 1962. As I said, we were from, they were both from the hills of Calabria, so they settled in the hills of Rollystone. But of course, many of their friends um, settled here in Fremantle. As we said, it was the Sicilians that settled in Fremantle, it was the Calabrians that settled in the hills. And I always remember, again, as a kid growing up, the big days of going down to Fremantle to have the fish and chips. And whenever we had the big visitors from Geelong or from Italy or from Switzerland, would come down and show them Fremantle. And it is a very special place in my heart, as I know it is of many people here today. Um, a lot of another story which I just want to outline was, again, an experience I was able to do in government um, when I was working for Jeff Gallup, was actually well, work on the Welcome Wars project down at the Maritime Museum. In fact, I was working on that project with then Parliamentary Secretary Mark McGowan, you might know him. Um, and we worked on that Welcome Wars project and I was very proud to be part of that project where we acknowledged the significant contribution of migrants but also the role that Fremantle played in welcoming migrants from around the world. It was a bit of a tough time in state politics and I think we launched it in December 2004. And I think we had about 15,000 people um, down um, in that car park in front of the museum. And Jeff Gallup at the time said afterwards it was his best day in politics. And that's when we had an in incredible day. And the emotion of the families and friends of those people that arrived here um, and to see the acknowledgement on the Welcome Wars was truly special. And I'm very proud that, of course, both of my parents' names are on those walls and also my uncles and aunties and my grandparents. So it is, in a sense, a very, very special place for me. Um, but there is, of course, a lot happening in Fremantle and a lot happening in relation to the future of Fremantle. And I want to just touch on some of the initiatives that we have um, introduced and that we're implementing across Fremantle um, today. Now, of course, we've already seen the relocation of some um, parts of the Department of Transport, but in particular housing into Fremantle. And I know that redevelopment has been warmly welcomed by many in the, in the area. But I did want to touch upon um, some of the bigger projects that are happening in relation to Fremantle and in my area. Of course, um, I want to start with Westport, the Westport Task Force. And note that the planning is underway for the relocation of container trade whether it's in a one-stage or two-stage process, down to Quinana. This was the commitment broadly we gave at the 2017 election. I want to just touch upon um, something that happened in the parliament yesterday, and that was as part of our plan for the relocation of the port, but also as part of our plan to manage um, congestion and truck movements into the port was, of course, our plan to save the Belia wetlands. And yesterday afternoon, in the upper house of the state parliament, the Belia wetlands protection bill finally got approved, and that um, bill was now will now become law. 
Of course, we've also seen some other works that have been underway, including the High Street work. Um, again, works to improve the traffic management in that area, some underpasses to support movement of, the free, of um, local residents around that area, more parking and dedicated parking for the um, netball courts in that area too. So that project, who you, I think you would have noticed it, um, is well underway. We hope to finish that very, very soon. In relation to Westport, what we looked at after I inherited the project again um, this year, post the election, was breaking the project into three parts. One is the Westport business case and planning for the new port. That work is being undertaken through a group headed by Patrick Sears, and that's looking at all the aspects of what does a new port look like, what is its road and rail corridors, and all the aspects in relation to the business case. The second part that we're implementing will be the West Coast tra Trade Strategy. That's more looking at all the land use along the Quinana Strip and how that links in with the new port. And that work is being headed by Roger Cook, which is um, really more of a state development as well as a transport um, matter. The third component, and the one that I want to outline in a bit of detail today, is establishing a future of Fremantle Planning Committee. Now, Nicole Lockwood is here, and she's the key person, um, advisor, as part of that committee. And what we'll be doing is looking at uh, working with the community, with council, in establishing a new vision or an enhanced vision for Fremantle. That committee is going to have, have a community reference group. And today we're opening up nominations for that community reference group and opening up nominations for a community representative on the Fremantle Committee. Now, the work will pretty much kick off early next year with a lot of consultation, forums and engagement. But it's really looking at ideas of exactly um, what is the future for this area of Fremantle, looking at key economic drivers for the area, of course, the maritime um, history will be a large part of its future. The creative industries, in particular, with the, uh, the film studio in that area, the museum, the creative arts. There's uh, so many different aspects to be looked into. How we manage transport through that whole area. Do we look at the new, on a, in a given the time frame, new ideas of how people would be mobile around that area, connecting into existing train lines, new train lines, whatever the case is. So it really is an opportunity to work, to really look at the vision of Fremantle into the future, and of course tying in to the existing heart of Fremantle and working with the existing heart of Fremantle. So this committee, as I said, the consultation will kick off early next year, but we're very keen to get representatives and have a community reference group but really talk to the community and look at what is, I think, and a very exciting future. In particular, looking at what is the key economic drivers, what do we want to leverage off, and what, are we, what do we want to do in the future to continue to create jobs and opportunities through this area. Um, Nicole, like I said, will be hosting forums next year. We've got a very significant stakeholder program, and in particular, very, very intensive community um, involvement program because, as I said, I think it's a project that many people will want to be involved in and want to have their say, but also having the ability to think about what Fremantle of the future looks like and how we can continue to support jobs in the area, but also, in a sense, a more sustainable way of living throughout this entire area. 
I just want to touch on another couple of other projects which is which are very important. Um, one of the issues we've also tried to do is to continue to push more freight onto rail into Fremantle Port. I think the figures were we were hovering around 15% of trade of freight was going on rail before the election of 2017. That's moved to 20%, but of course we want to move, continue to move that too. And again, it's all about making sure that we do remove some of those trucks on roads, but also understand the continuing role, in particular intermodal has inland um, in supporting trade through our ports. So we've seen the forest field of course, intermodal be the key intermodal. We're looking at how we can continue to expand intermodals through Kenwick and further expansion, expansions in Forestfield to try and take those trucks off, off the road. And again, something I'm very proud of, something we committed to do and something that um, will continue to grow in particular as we enhance infrastructure in the area. And on that, I'll note that this week we announced the new, the new alignment for the new Fremantle Traffic Bridge. Now, this is a project that's jointly funded and a project that has had many false starts in the past. So in looking at this project, the initial alignment was um, not welcomed by many parts of the community, in particular through North Fremantle. So we worked with the contractor in getting a new alignment for that bridge. And that a new alignment rests between the existing traffic bridge and the rail bridge. And that what that will do will, will be to is maintain two lanes of traffic each way. It will also now include a new passenger rail line and that will free up the freight line for further truck movement, uh, freight movement on rail. There would also be enhanced pedestrian crossing and also um, cycling um, crossing as well. In relation to this, and I know, again, this has been an issue that's been raised with me already, we really want to work with the council in particular about the connection of those PSPs and pedestrian movement, pedestrian um, paths to Fremantle. So we'll work at, on, on working on a joint solution of how we can move people from the bridge into Fremantle in the best way, um, either by foot or on, 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 on bikes. So that's a bit of work that will continue to work with the City of Fremantle. But looking the other way, this uh, pedestrian and cycling bridge on the new traffic bridge will then connect into our Stage 2 PSP, which is underway um, through North Fremantle, and into the Stage 1 PSP, sorry, Stage 1 PSP, which we completed in our last term, which will see a PSP connectivity from Perth all the way to Fremantle. So that's going to be an exciting um, initiative again and one I think will encourage more people to cycle and get off, get off the roads and get onto our um, cycle paths and make it much safer. So that work is underway and what, we're, what we'll be, would have achieved was stage one, which has already been completed, stage two of the PSP, which is underway, and then stage three, which is the Fremantle traffic bridge and then making that connection then into Fremantle. Look, I know there's a lot of discussion about the existing bridge and its future. Um, we're very keen to retain a part of that bridge and work with the city, city on its future. Now, of course, with all of these, there's going to be a lot of debate on what it should be used for, how much we retain and so forth. But we do see that uh, keeping a part of it to reflect the history is very important, but we also need a future for that area. And in particular, if we try and activate it through potential... Um, um, I won't say bars, but more, more like uh, cafes and so forth, very open to that engagement and looking at how we can um, 
have a place where people may want to stop after they've crossed the bridge, um, places for cyclists, places for pedestrians. And so very much, very keen to engage on that. Of course, there's so much else happening. Um, in relation to Victoria Quay, you've seen the redevelopment of uh, the creation of the new brewery there, and that project is well underway. And you would have seen during the election period the announcement of the film studio, and that project is again well underway with, I think, the, there's a keenness to have that project commence next year. The fishing boat harbour and the uh, areas around, again, work is underway through relevant agencies, and I know there's proposals re regarding the redevelopment of that area. Again, anything that encourages activity, encourages people into the area, encourages more people to be living in Fremantle, I think goes very well for creating further support for small businesses, small businesses in the area, but also continued activity. More generally, I think another issue is the connection into AMC and through the whole Kwinana Strip. Again, very keen to work on that and as part of our planning work through Westport and the Trade Coast, making sure we have strong connections through that area um, will be part of those discussions. There's also, of course, the other body of work about connecting Fremantle into the Metronet sort of lines through uh, either a connection um, through into um, the Coburn area or then uh, through the Murdoch areas, and I know there's been a lot of work on that. We're, of course, continuing looking at how we can further develop, in a sense, Metronet Stage 2 and those connections, in a sense, west into Fremantle, alternative connections, in particular in what's happening around South Street and some of the new redevelopments there. So, quite a bit happening, um, a lot of investment happening. I know there is always a lot of passion views in Fremantle, there's a lot of differing views across the entire, uh, entire sort of spectrum of what should be happening. Um, I believe Fremantle has an incredible future and it is a beautiful place with such a rich past and that we can all be confident, I think, that more people want to be in Fremantle or want to live in Fremantle and as we continue to grow, we want to ensure that we continue to grow economic op opportun opportunities through Fremantle. So... Thank you very much for the opportunity just to give you a snapshot of what we've been doing. Um, I'm sure through the question and answers we'll uh, flesh out some of those ideas a bit more, but I do see Fremantle, again, being a very special place for so many people well into the future. And um, as I said, I do get a bit emotional when I come to South Fremantle. <laughs> I mean, I left here a lot of times crying, but, uh, <laughs> but um, it is a beautiful place. And I do uh, love visiting Fremantle, of course, sort of wish the Dockers had stayed in Fremantle, but that's just a personal opinion, not an official government opinion. Um, <laughs> but because uh, I did love coming down and watching them train too, um, I thought that was also always a nice thing. But anyway, thank you very much. It is a great opportunity to be here, give you a bit of a snapshot of what we've been doing and also some of our ideas for the future. Thank you very much. Um, covered so much of, I guess, what we need to talk about today. And um, as you were talking, I, I kept thinking about also just that movement of people, you know, that the heartland of that diversity of culture that we've always had in Fremantle and how Fremantle has always been both from, you know, the Indigenous cultures right through to our diverse and multi-cultures, a place of gathering and a place of being. And 
some of that work down the Southern Corridor. I know Pete from Yoke and others have worked so hard to develop that Southern Corridor and create those old spearwood and, you know, those really traditional areas of Fremantle to connect back in. How do we fast track, I guess, that Southern Corridor conversation, both from a marine but also from a people perspective? Yeah, look, to be honest, we've been pretty busy implementing our Stage 1 Metronet commitments. So the first term in particular was all about planning and delivering all of our stage one commitments. And well, we're nearly there. I think we've pretty much got nine Metronet projects currently being delivered. We've got three more that will be um, the last three in a sense, or three, potentially four, to be um, that will commence being under delivery by the end of this year. So in a, in a sense, stage Metronet's gone from a planning to a delivery phase and so it will be then moving on to these next projects. Infrastructure WA of course highlighted many new ideas for the future and I think endorsed the concept of a Metronet stage two. So we'll be working on those concepts and in particular as you said the connection uh, of Fremantle through the southwest onto the you know to the freeway to the existing rail line um, is something that we really want to consider but of course that also is impacted on in relation to the timing of the port and also that rail corridor, for example, is something that's quite interesting through that area. So there's a lot of, in a sense, piece, as I call it, this area, there's a lot of jigsaw pieces out there. You know, there's just everywhere. And the aim for us as a government and I suppose as a community is that we use this opportunity to make sure all the jigsaw puzzles fit together and we don't either miss opportunities or make really bad mistakes. So that's what we were wanting to do, in particular through these committee processes. When I came back to get the port's portfolio, I thought the whole issue of Fremantle and all the, all the related planning aspects were too big just to be picked up under the existing Westport task. And that's why we picked it up and made it its own body of work because I know there's a lot of engaged people who want to be part of that future. And having, in a sense, Nicole run a very, you know, I believe what will be a very strong consultation program, picking up on new ideas, making sure we don't miss anything. And although the committee is looking at a specific geographic area, it is actually looking also how it relates to the North Fremantle, to the Spearwoods, to the Coogees, to the, in a, in a sense, the southwest area. So we really want to make sure we don't miss anything and that all of these pieces of the puzzle are put together to create what I think is a future that works not only for um, for freight and trade, but more generally for people. And my very strong view is that you need a lot of people to create activity. You want people to be living in your area. You want activity. And I think we're going to continue to drive to have more people um, living in the areas, also creating more vibrancy and, again, supporting small business. So true, absolutely. And that I think we were talking, um, actually, Nicole and I, not long ago, of that disparity of all of those different projects coming ahead. And it is such an incredible opportunity for this region. But we do, it's almost like we're talking, like as you're talking, you start to spatially, my hands go left, right, and centre as I'm going, well, you've got Rouse Head here, you've got the Inner Harbour. Look, we're so close to the AMC, but how do we get those businesses to keep their headquarters here in Fremantle? And how do we keep those links going? So it's really, really reassuring to see that's on the government's agenda as well, because I think we're in a, we've got a huge opportunity, but certainly an opportunity to miss connecting some of those dots as we go through.
And that's why we established that sort of framework. Like I said, I didn't want the Fremantle piece to be sort of a subset of something that where the whole whole focus of the Westport team should be really about the, in a sense, economic financial structure of a new port. And the future of Fremantle is so much bigger than that, you know, so I didn't want it to be sort of a side issue. And that's why I'm really glad Nicole accepted the invitation to be... What's your official title? Uh, advisor to the committee, but she'll be running a lot of the, of the a lot of the program, and um, then referring that back to the final decision making committee. But it really is about making sure we can engage the many views, and also, as I said, look at economic drivers. There's no doubt with the film studio, you've got this sort of this creative piece together with the museum. In a sense, you've already got, in a sense, the beginnings of that, um, and then you look at the maritime world and everything that relates to the ocean and there are so many different parts that we can leverage off to create some exciting new jobs into the future. And it's so interesting hearing you talk about the structural in terms of the infrastructure and the physical nature of all of those projects that you've listed. But as you've said, they're all designed to move people and business and economies. And I think the film studio is a really good example where it's about creating a physical infrastructure that brings new business, highlights the brand of Fremantle's creative industries and also brings in that visitation. I still see this film studio with a super yacht maybe sitting outside it and all of these creative ideas coming forward. Absolutely. And you know, there are cruise ships in the future. <laughs> um, I mean, we were heading down that path and it was a bit of excitement and we had some upgrades to the passenger terminal. So we were sort of heading down that path and I'm sure, um, I'm sure they'll come back. Um, but there's all those types of so industries and what, because it's not just the, it's not just the cruise ship, it's what can then be created from that and what you leverage. And I think with economic opportunities, it's always looking at what in a sense, what what do you what's your natural benefit, what are your new benefit, what what are, what are your new sort of drivers, but also what you can leverage. And I think those places around the world that leverage new businesses, new opportunities from some of the existing um, strengths are the ones that do very well and not not trying to ignore it or say, oh that's not us. Because you know Nowadays, you have to be everything um, to survive, I think. And it's so true. Like a lot of people, we often talk about the grit of Fremantle. You know, one of the reasons we have such a strong, vibrant, creative industries is because we've retained a bit of the grit. So you can't lose all of that and reinvent yourself too much as well. I think Fremantle has a natural benefit of, of diversity. So if you look at Fremantle, it is a diverse group of people with very different coming from very different places around the world but different demographics and I think that's the strength and I think places that have a very strong sort of um, well in a sense grit but an ability to have different types of people living um, in the one area are very very strong communities and I think that's something that Fremantle should never lose is that diversity of its demographics and the fact that with that you know you do, I think, get much more strength in the community because it isn't just all the same type of people thinking the same thing. And I think that's what has been its strength in the past but will be its strengths in, in the future. Absolutely. Um, I'm interested also in one of your other portfolios. We've talked a lot about, you know, the ports and transporter and I guess they're probably the more high-profile projects. But you've held... I guess, planning for a really long time um, and have gone through some quite considerable work around the planning review. 
One of the things I guess some of our committees talk about a lot is our underutilised spaces in Fremantle, changes to retail. And I guess as with some of the structure around planning review, there's possibly a tendency to give definitions to what is retail, what is um, you know, mixed use commercial, what is um, heritage spaces and how we activate heritage spaces. I'm just interested in a bit of background just around your involvement with the planning review process and how you see that creating modern cities and what's sort of the background to it. Yeah, look, I'm a big supporter of mixed use developments. So again, my view is, and I've had the experience to travel overseas. As, as you know, I've got an Italian background. I've got family through Italy and, and actually Switzerland. So I have had the experience to be there on many occasions. Um, and one of the things I do notice is just the mixed, the level of mixed use development. So apartments above everything. <laughs> so whether it's the IGA, whether it's the bakery, whether it's, you know. Yeah, your auntie living above a donut shop or working well, in a donut My auntie lived yet. above the, IGA, the equivalent of the IGA in sort of a, in a, in sort of a, a Homes West, the Swiss, the Swiss version of Homes West units. Um, and... You know, it was perfect for her because she couldn't walk very well. And it's just the, the mixed use. And I think to me that, again, you know, is something that I'm very passionate about. But I know that many West Australians aren't. <laughs> you know, many West Australians want to live in their, in their home and not see too much activity maybe around them. But I think there are a growing portion of people who want that type, that, those types of developments. I think those types of developments and people support small business. And this is the key when I talk to Chambers of Commerce, actually, um, is that when we talk about the issue of density or infill, there's sort of a concept that there it's all, it's well, not a concept, but some people think it's all bad. But for small businesses, if there are more people living near you who can just walk out their door and come and visit you, then that's going to help your business. That's my very strong opinion. And especially nowadays when people have been, in particular on the retail front, where the larger shopping centres now, you know, are, are mega shopping centres that people go for the whole day. They've got places for the kids to play. It's free parking. It's a whole day. And so once you get in the car, you sort of, you potentially lose them. So the whole idea of having density infill closer to um, small business and to high streets and older retail districts to me is very important because I think you automatically have a catchment and they are loyal catchments. And what we've seen a bit through COVID too is I think a keenness of people wanting to support local businesses and walk into their businesses. On the issue of mixed use, I do think, and I saw some notes um, I think that you sent through, about how we frame mixed use and how we've, you know, required that the bottom, the first, the ground floor has to be retail or has to be of this type because sometimes you're forcing something that's not actually going to work and I've seen through a lot of different areas the ground floor being in a sense they've asked it we've required it to be retail because we wanted the integration into the street but then I've actually borrowed a word from Patrick can I share it with you yeah Patrick in a meeting not long ago described it as permeable fronts and I think it's a fantastic way of describing what we're really looking for yeah. and we see it in North Fremantle, we're seeing it in South Fremantle. Those communities are working and thriving for exactly the reason that you've just said, is that people live locally, they're coming in, the spaces move day and night, yeah. and it's how do we create that in a planning, planning framework, I think is going to be our challenge, isn't it? Well, it continues to be a challenge, but to, to me, I think you need to have some level of density and you need to have some set of level of mixed use. That's my view. Um, different types of uses 
And as I said, whenever we discuss this, everyone says, oh, but, what, you know, the smell of the, of the fast food place on the corner. Or they, they, they bring in all the negatives of what can happen. But my, from my point of view, and I think where we've seen it work successfully, it's a mixture of uses with a mixture of demographics, you know, and that creates vibrancy and activity. And where we try and create everything so uniform or so sterilised, that's when you don't get that. And I said not everyone wants to live like that, but there are plenty of ways not to live like that through the suburbs of Perth. But there is a plenty. But I think we need to continue to create those types of mixed, mixed, um, mixed use. And as I said, you know, again, you learn a little bit when you travel, and I've, I see it a lot when you travel. The ability for all different type of uses to be in close proximity, and it seems to work. And it's the only way our urban centres are really going to work, particularly a city like Fremantle. Yeah. The only way we bring the heart in is to bring the people in and have people moving back and around. I mean, the city of Perth's having its own discussion on this front. Um, you know, there's no doubt you need more people living in the city of Perth if you want to make it vibrant. Because as I said, you know, again, the world changes. You know, when I was growing up, I, I gave this example at a speech recently. When I grew up, you, you know, Fremantle was where you got fish and chips or Italian food <laughs> and the city was where you got the big shopping. And now that's available everywhere, you know. So you've got to keep continually differentiate yourself or I think bring more people in and create that activity. And we've seen the success of Lego and Marvel and a whole lot of our activations within the city where we keep people walking around and moving around. And it's how retail thrives and retail can't survive without people. In fact, none of our businesses can survive without those people. And I say especially small business. You know, it does rely on people being able to easily access you. And obviously, when you get more people living close to you, that helps. Absolutely. I'm really interested, you mentioned Fishing Boat Harbour and Victoria Quay, two major pieces, I guess, of historic infrastructure for Fremantle. We've got some work to do to connect those two harbours. I'm interested, though, in terms of the planning side of it, what would be your criteria for success in terms of the outcomes of that master planning that's currently going on? Well, um, easy connectivity, and I think you throw the train station into that too. Um, so it's a bit more external facing. And maybe put a, a train station down the south to take all this. <laughs> but I think, um, well, I mean, th to me, the gauge of success is how many people are, you know, are going back and forward and using, supporting the businesses. So to me, it's about having a activity and, and and having people out enjoying those those spaces. It's always hard. There's no magic. There's no magic solution, and you can't. But it's working with what you have, supporting, I think, probably um, more greater connectivity, easier to you know, cycle, scooter, whatever form of um, transport people want to use, walking, and also, again, probably more connected into the public transport system. And that's been, a bit, that's been an issue for us too in relation to how we've built or how we've faced transport train stations a lot we haven't been external facing as much as we should so that would be my my gauge would be how many people are walking around <laughs> <laughs> absolutely and I think you're right and I think one of the other conversations we've been having recently is just how important that marine planning talks to the land planning and and train transport is one of those you know we had a conversation the other day about whether a train station for the Indian Pacific could go at the end of Mews Road which would then open up you know all of that corridor for southern transport and I think this is now the time to be brainstorming some of those creative solutions and finding ways to talk about it I'm conscious that I've held a lot of your time, Minister. So I might see if anyone from the room has got any questions. Helena's got the microphone. Yeah, just down there. Thanks, Jared. 
Hi, Rita. Um, North Quay is going to be the greatest or the most important thing that we do in Fremantle, just sheerly by scale and size. What do you envisage as a percentage, of, say, residential to industrial, commercial, um, as we go forward? Because jump forward 20 years, can you give us some idea what you think it looks like, please? Yeah, I wouldn't want to put a percentage on it because I think this is what the discussion has to be had. So I think there's got to be a view of how much you leverage of the maritime of the, of the water. Um, so exactly what does that mean? Does it mean cruise ships? Does it mean super yachts visiting? Does it mean um, uh, further recreational usage? So I wouldn't want to put a percentage on it, but I would say I would do believe you need um, a significant residential component. Um, to ensure that I, I suspect – I think there'll be a lot of people keen to live down there, but I suspect you'd want a key a key percentage of recreational. But for me, it's starting with the economic drivers. That's how I would start with the, with the whole planning piece is what type of businesses or what type of economy, you know, should we grow into? And I think that's, the, to me, the first piece of the puzzle because then that then dictates a little bit of the type and nature of the residential component. So there may be a, like I said, there may be a focus that's all maritime. We want to leverage all of our maritime past and create um, more maritime um, opportun opportunities. There may be to enhance the creative industries onto that side. It may be looking at um, our commercial buildings, our office space. But to me, I wouldn't want to put a percentage on that yet because I think that's what the planning work's all about. But I, my view would be to identify some of the key economic drivers. And, of course, Simone's here. And um, Simone and I talk about Fremantle quite a bit in the <laughs> in the parliament. And Simone, of course, also be a big key part of that committee, um, in particular the planning committee going forward. But I think, like I was saying, economic drivers would be where I, I would start. Any other questions? Oh, Rachel, yeah. Thank you. That's been a really interesting discussion. Um, Rachel Pemberton, City Ward Councillor for the City of Freo. Um, I really am pleased to hear the discussions, um, all of those different elements you've talked about, because certainly they have been um, front of mind and um, big part of the Council's discussions for some time. Um, the mention of the Metronet Phase 2 and the opening up of possibilities and new discussion about where that might go um, is very promising to me because um, in previous iterations of Metronet, you know, the Fremantle was excluded entirely from that thinking. And I guess what I want to ask and perhaps invite you to um, consider is working with the council in order to make sure that we can actually put in place the land use planning that would support the higher level of trips through additional um, jobs down here and residents down here and so on in order to make sure that we actually get those good um, transit connections heading east because congratulations and well done on the row eight uh, cancellation yesterday. Um, but what we do know is we have a really bad congestion problem when people are trying to head east and you can see it often on our roads. So I think a big part of that is um, about actually providing viable alternatives for people to get out of their cars and free up the road space and so on. And I really hope that you'll work with us um, to make sure that that is part of stage two in Metronet. Yeah, very happy to. As I said, there's been a lot of work done, I think, through the Southwest Group and a lot of modelling and work done in relation to what should be the connection and whether we go, in a sense, to the South Street connection or whether we head further south into the Coburn sort of area. So um, 
it will be like that's going to be a tough choice. But and, you know, I don't want to make that choice yet. But um, but I think that's where the dis discussion's got to be had, in particular with some of the planning um, that's happening around South Street and Cardin that whole Cardinia area too, because that's another component we have to think about. Um, the redevelopments around there and some of the uh, potential, well, the upzonings around that area um, and the movement of those people east and west as well. So they're the other things to be factored into is what's happening in relation to um, what's happening that sort of that corridor. And of course, around Coburn, um, Coburn's a very, very busy area. We're bringing the Thornley Coburn line into Coburn Station, but more generally, what can be done on that rail corridor into the future in particular um, into Fremantle they're all the sort of excite they're all the things that we need to consider now and it may not happen tomorrow and it may not happen in the next two four years but again it's got to all work with the the future Fremantle work so they're all the things that are absolutely on the table and as I said it's a very rarely in government do you get an opportunity to have in a sense all of these things in front of you and you know, we don't want to waste that opportunity it's very hard because you have to make you're trying to make decisions for the next 40 or 50 years but I think we need to try and make those decisions or set the direction early so you don't make decisions that then conflict with what you want to do in 10 years time and that's what we're very very wary about don't want to in a sense make decisions that in 10 years time someone says oh you know you, sh you should have kept that, you know, kept that corridor or something like that. So that's what we're trying to do. I was really interested in your comment about economic drivers driving the conversation because I think that's something that, particularly when we look at that southern corridor and in our conversations with PTA, a lot of the conversations have been around moving residents from one place to another. And I think if we start to think about economic drivers, we start to think about how people need to get to work, how we maintain headquarters of marine businesses or creative industries here, but that those workers can get in and out. And I think looking at it from an economic driving perspective and looking at existing corridors is really important, absolutely. And I think when you're thinking about planning residential into the future, and I said th this residential wouldn't happen in the next, um, you know, next five to ten years, but you're also looking about how those residential areas connect. And I think, again, when you're starting with your blank sheet of paper, you have an opportunity to look at things like how residential areas may be connected through you know autonomous buses or whatever it is whatever form of transport you want into into your train station so there's a lot of different concepts that you can actually bring into the thinking mm. and we're at the cusp of new technologies as well Absolutely. and how we allow for all of that yeah. Yes, complex problems but uh, and a lot happening. And as we highlighted earlier, you know, the work that Jared and his team have done at Manning Arcade, I mean, Hesperia in the room in terms of the Italian club, there's a lot of... Um, got Corey doing that work on the visioning for Frishing Boat Harbour. I think even just within the room, the, the brain capital, and um, Brett and his team have done some amazing work at forecasting what super yachts and, you know, that physical infrastructure could look like from an architecture view. I'm also really interested, we obviously have in the room, you know, Notre Dame and the university. And I think um, one of the things that we often forget in Fremantle is that we are a university town as well. And having that as an economic driver into our future is going to be a really important part of this conversation too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I um, students bring activity and they bring nighttime activity, which is so important. <laughs> and, and daytime if they show up doing lectures. Yeah. <laughs> they probably bring more nighttime activity than daytime activity. But um, yeah, current, continuing to leverage that is very, very important. Absolutely. Any other questions? Yeah, Chris, just down here.
Thank you. Rita, thanks for the great insight. Um, just, a, I guess, a little bit of a general question. Um, I'm obviously representing the super yacht industry and um, we're getting some really good runs on the board now with uh, bringing in foreign super yachts and super yachts from other states in Australia for refit and maintenance work and things like that as well, which is proving really good, making good use of the AMC and the floating dock down there and so forth. Um, we're already having great conversations with the Chamber of Commerce. Um, we've spoken with ports and other, some of the other government departments as well. Um, one thing that Queensland does very, very well at a government level um, is support uh, or try and help grow that super yacht industry over there. And they've got probably about 80% market share in Australia. Um, there's a really good opportunity for us to engage with Fremantle, which is linking that whole, co um, you know, Henderson, Fremantle section, because all of these vessels need somewhere to go prior and post shipyard visit. Uh, and they often would stay in the area as well, use it as a base for chartering in the region and the flow-on effects up the coast, Broome, Kimberleys, so on and so forth. So Queensland has a super yacht industry strategy. That's something that we're starting to advocate for. Is there any part of, or you know, you've spoken about different programs and things that are starting up now to study. Is there any of those in particular that you recommend we try and link in with when it comes to getting a... WA state super yacht industry strategy up and running and I'm talking super yacht tourism as well not just refit and maintenance and so forth. Yeah, I suspect the work that Nicole does would probably be that where that would land because you know it could like I'm saying it could be something that is seen as a, a key driver as part of going forward so I would link in with the work that Nicole's doing and that we may commission some work on that front you know um as part of that whole package. So definitely, again, it's something that's more and more um, is becoming a big, in a sense, it's high, it's sort of, it's high value too. And then there's, a, as I understand, um, the works that are ta take place are normally very important works, but high value works too, which I think then again creates those opportunities for people in WA. Thanks so much, Rita. And I am noticing dessert coming out, so I'm terribly sorry, but we probably are going to have to cut our Q&A off there. Obviously, you're in the room. And as I highlighted, I think within the room itself, we have so many representatives of so many different parts of that planning and future conversation that I'm sure we can all uh, harass as, uh, as time goes on and as lunch goes on. I have a few very small thanks, one particularly for you. Just thank you very, very much for spending some time with us in Fremantle. I hope you enjoy that as one of our key sponsors. And also we've popped in there our doing business in Fremantle. So if your department ever needs to run some fantastic events, we've got a fantastic little brochure in there for you to pick some great venues from. South Fremantle Football Club, Cameron, thank you so much for hosting us um, in your incredible space and looking out on the green. It's such a heart and big part of Fremantle. We haven't had a chance to talk about the Fremantle oval redevelopment, but you know we could talk all day on great Fremantle projects. <laughs> to the team from Lion and Little Creatures, Matt, thank you. Uh, for your sponsorship of the delicious new Pacific Ale. If you haven't had a chance to try it yet, uh, now is your opportunity. Unveiled this very weekend, so we are the first to have it. Other than that, yes, thank you all so, so much. Benny's and the team, Ivan, thank you for serving such delicious food to us. I think that's it from me. We'll hop down from the stage. As I said, this is all about you too today, so please continue the conversation and thank you all very much for your attendance from all of us. Thank you. Thank you.